2: fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Hello and welcome to the Loaf Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast proudly sponsored by the STFC
0: Official Supporters Club.
3: Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside!
1: Beautiful play! That is that! <laughs> what a good shot! Oh, it's a goal! It's a goal! post for Shearer, goal! 4 That's Steve White! Catch Mitchell! Taylor has scored, and that surely means it's the Premier League for
3: Swindon Town now! But first, a goal by Jan Björthoff. Harkin!
1: Austin going in! Yes! yes. New bats, New bats! 2 nil Swindon! Danny Wall! It's not going win this league anyway. Richard. he's hit it, it's Crabwell! <laughs>
0: Hello, Steve, Who I am very well, thank you. And I, I've got to say, selfishly, I'm very excited for this episode because, well, back in '95, you were one of my favorite players by a mile, but we'll talk about that later. But thank you for agreeing to take part.
3: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for uh, involving me.
0: Yeah, my pleasure too. Okay, so the way I like to start these episodes is to start right at the beginning. So when you were younger, who were your favourite football team and who were your football heroes?
3: Uh, favourite football team, I, uh, it was always Newcastle. But um, I used to go and watch Newcastle when, when I couldn't remember. Uh, you know, on my dad's shoulders and that sort of thing. But uh, first team I actually remember going to watch was Carlisle United. So it was like Bob Stokoe era and... Uh, Probably favourite football players were uh, the likes of Keegan, Dalglish, further afield was uh, Rossi and uh, Johan Cruyff.
0: Yeah, that'll do, won't it? (laughs) (laughs) That'll do. Yeah, um, as anyone that listens to this podcast will know that I've got a, a tremendous amount of a love for Newcastle, as I used to live up in Newcastle um, until about eight years ago. Because um, you're you're from Northumberland, aren't you? Yeah,
3: I was born in Hexham.
0: Yeah. yeah, so I've spent a fair bit of time in Hexham with the Abbey and the the Roman uh, site nearby and so forth. So I, and I do that by choice. That's the sort of person I am. So, but country, <laughs> a wonderful place to just. Not just watch football, but just absorb it.
3: You know, they, they they live for football up here. It's uh, it's crazy. It's um, it is literally go to work nine to five every day, and then Saturday go go and watch a game. Yeah. And that's that's what people's lives are based around.
0: Yeah, yeah. I used to work in Gateshead, and my colleagues, it was dead split hardcore Geordies and hardcore Macums, And there was me, this Swindon Town fan in the middle. It was quite fun. What were you, your earliest memories of actually playing football then? So what What was your journey from just like sitting on your dad's shoulders and watching Carlisle and your castle and then, and then playing football? Were you always a centre forward or, or did you play other positions and did you play junior football or anything like that?
3: Yeah, I played junior football from... The age of six, I was um, in an under-12 league, um, and I started. I started off at left back, believe it or not. and Then I went to right back because I was right-footed, and then uh, gradually worked my way forward. With uh, you know, throughout the years, and then my pace was a big thing. They so sort of, back in the day. They used to lump it up front, and if you were quick, get on the end of it, and that was all there was to it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, um, Pate Gill was the, the team I played for. And they've turned into Penrith FC, basically. And uh, who knows? I, I could I could probably still play right back, I think. <laughs> so yeah, left back to centre forward
0: is is a is a new one for me. Whenever I ask this question, because usually footballers move backwards. They start up front and slowly mm-hmm. and slowly end up at centre back or in goal. So it's it's good that we finally got someone who started at the back and moved forward.
3: Yeah, well. Uh, That was it. That was just a case of he's young, put him in, chuck him in there. And uh, then when I I found my feet, it was a case of, well, he can actually play. So we'll we'll stick him up front and see what he does.
0: (laughs) So, again, one of the most common sort of observations or questions I have during this stage is, do I ask, well, I ask, were you one of those kids that scored an outrageous amount of goals? Like, you always had a kid in a league when you played junior football that scored 60 goals in... Twenty games or something like that. Were you one of those?
3: I was yeah. Unfortunately, the, well, yeah. We played against Shaq one, one year, and I got uh, I ended up with eighteen goals, but uh, <laughs> the management were a little bit embarrassed, so they put me in goal. I still scored two goals from from being a goalkeeper, so. <laughs> Uh, that, that's something
0: I, I can sort of relate I can't proclaim to have scored that many goals but as a centre-back playing for Warminster I remember scoring a brace against Salisbury B and then I got taken off at half time because you know you didn't really need a centre two centre-backs and I was denied my only ever hat-trick which would have been inevitable and
3: Oh, that's a, that's a shame.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not that so much, but I was certainly bitter after that one. Okay, so scoring loads of goals, playing in, as a youngster in a higher age group. So, I mean, what were your, your memories of being scouted? Were there many clubs looking at you at that time? Because I imagine you would have wanted, say, Carlisle to be looking at you at that stage. Um, what was your journey to Preston like? Uh,
3: well, basically, I signed on a schoolboy at uh, Carlisle and I had Newcastle and uh, Preston and several clubs that were wanting me to go and train with them and, you know, be, be signed up with them. Um, and it was basically just a a little chap called Fred O'Donoghue who, um, since passed, bless him. Um, and he was a lovely, lovely chap, got chatting to my dad and he said, you know, if we come, if you bring him to Preston, then we'll, we'll look after him and, uh, Treat him as one of our own. So that's why we went to Preston. That
0: seems to be quite a big deal to, especially the parents of kids that are going to become part of that football network, that idea that we're going to look after you, we're going to nurture your kid. And there's, there's a huge trust element, isn't there? And, you know, where the easy option, especially now footballers or parents just see i mean there's a money there's a money side of it which simply didn't exist until about you know 15 20 years ago so the trust element is so so big isn't it for parents at that stage massive
3: yeah absolutely i, I, I went down i was in the house i was basically living um with a lot of other boys that were uh, involved with the club had a lovely place to live it was just idyllic it was it was nicer than being at home if you know what I mean but um you know the only thing that that was a, a problem was missing friends and that sort of thing I was 14 at the time
0: yeah
3: uh first started going down so I was going down for preseason training um working with the uh the reserve team the first and playing against the first team and that sort of thing at, at that age so uh it, it, it was nice it was kind of a home away from home but uh You know, it's not ideal, but uh, it worked well. How did you find
0: playing against senior teams at that age?
3: Well, strangely enough, from um, my early days, I was involved with football teams from 11-year-old men's teams. So, you know, 12 years old, I was playing um, senior league football for Kirk Oswald, fc and uh, that's a that's a cracking little club if anybody wants to come and play for it by the way <laughs> and uh, that that sort of it was a case of you know just don't get touched by anybody because at the time they'd want they'd want to snap you in half you know you're a young lad and quick as 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 the swear words so quick as hell and uh, you know, the, the case of catch him if you can sort of thing. But uh, yeah, by by the time I was 14, I was I was one of the established players in the league and uh, I was well-renowned.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Were, were you known within the divisions? Were you in like the local papers a lot and things like that as this sort of freak of nature kid that was playing senior football? <laughs>
3: Yeah, exactly. Right from, the word, right from the word go, it was um, once I touched that team, it was uh, the next team were looking at uh, signing me and 14 uh, year old. I actually went to Lillishall at uh, 14 um, and I went a year under my age group, if you know what, if you know, they were taking like 15, 16 year olds who were leaving school. I was actually a year behind. And uh, I went for that year, and then I went for the next year after that as well, uh, for the uh, English Hall uh, sport. And um, I only didn't get in because my school work wasn't good enough. Ah, man. I hated it. I only went to English and, and PE and that was it. <laughs> hey. My bad, to be honest with you, <laughs> yeah. But...
0: Yeah, and t- when once you have uh, children, you start to evaluate your life choices at a young age, don't you?
3: You do, yeah, absolutely. And it was a case of um I don't care, I don't care. I know what I'm going to do, so don't don't be messing me about with this uh, religious education and biology <laughs> and all that sort of thing. I don't. Need that. I'm going to be a footballer. <laughs> <laughs> I've spoke to a
0: couple of guys who went to Lily Shaw, and I mean, I think the way they describe it is pretty much. Uh, Hogwarts, Harry Potter for uh, footballers. So I'm not sure you missed out on much.
3: Probably not. It. it's squeezed over the line. Kevin Horlock.
0: You know, Preston are a big team, they're championship level now, but my memory of Preston North End when I was younger is they were sort of kicking around the third and fourth division, um, until you know, maybe sixteen, seventeen years ago when or twenty years ago, time does fly, when when they started to reemerge into the sort of second tier. But it's a really, really big club. If you if you love your football history, full of massive names, and I mean, even when you were there, there, there were quite a few. But you went in there at fourteen, is that right? Is that when you started go
3: Yeah, I was there to, as a schoolboy at fourteen. Yeah. So, you,
0: yeah. so you did your fourteen to to sixteen, and then you did your ITS. Is that right? Um, I, I
3: did about three months of my ITS, and then signed a professional.
0: How not it? So, I mean. Did you did you even get to cleaning people's boots?
3: Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, I didn't know. No, no. I, I, I did a little bit of it, and that I, I was actually in charge of the lads to to make sure that they uh, they went and did it. Well, I was going to ask is, did, did somebody have to clean your boots? Uh, at, at some stage, yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> um, so I mean, I'm, I always sort of look around. The, the, or teams when I do research for this and to find any interesting names and I think David Flickcroft was pretty much your age group wasn't he, ex-Swindon manager
3: Yeah absolutely I used to play against David before we went to Preston in the Bolton League um, I signed for a, a, a club I can't, I can't actually remember the name it was Horwich RMI or something like that and I'm not I'm not even sure that that's, that's the, the, the proper club name but, uh, yeah, I played against Wicker for uh, a couple of years and then we ended up at Preston together and he was uh, he was a good lad, yeah. And I played with his, his um, brother yeah. uh, at City as well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good family. Yeah. Um, so, But there were a few
0: big senior names there as well at the time, I imagine.
3: Yeah, absolutely. The number one that sticks out is Sammy McElroy. Absolute legend of football. Really, really nice bloke. I, I was kind of shy when when I first met him and he just like took me under his wing and, and said, you do this, you do that. When I do this, you do that. And I'm, yeah, okay, that works. <laughs> and he, he was very gifted, very gifted.
0: Fantastic. And again, I mean, I always get this feeling that people that I speak to they they look back at this time in their lives and they they think that they, they took it for granted, having access to these sort of footballers who have been there, done that, they've had their career. Um, did, did you take it all in at the time or did you also sort of take it for granted?
3: Uh, you think it's going to last forever as a player. You really do, honestly, think it's going to last forever. The lifestyle, the money, um, it wasn't great back then, don't get me wrong, but... Uh, you know, you, you do. You think you're going to be put up on a pedestal, and 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 that's you for the rest of your life? But it isn't.
0: No, no. So, so I mean, I think that's your way of saying no. You you took it for granted. Yes. <laughs> well, you 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 do make the first team at Preston at a young age, and you score. So, you, what was it? You know, play five or six times for the first team. You get a goal. But it was in such a short space of time, but that's such such a, you know, I, I remember in those days, young footballers, it wasn't easy breaking into first teams because it was a different kind of football. Now, there's so many youngsters kicking in and if a player isn't in the first team at 21, 22, you know, they're, they're struggling to, to, you know, kick on from there. But back then it was much harder because there wasn't multiple substitutes and there were players who were very experienced and very affordable. So you must be just really proud that you were able to sort of build on those achievements that you did when you were 14 and 11 playing in in higher age groups and you managed to maintain that into the professional game.
3: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And it, it's a case of, it wasn't easy to be honest with you because you'd train with these players that are left out uh, on a on a week in week out basis, and and you know you you would get a lot of stick back then, Like, right? You know why why are you playing instead of me? You're, um, you're crap, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just ba- just basic bullying of uh, of of uh, players that uh, didn't uh, reach their foot, the, the you know the, the starting eleven or starting. Uh, 14, as it was, earlier. it was a case of, you know, they'd try and knock the socks off you in training just so you weren't available for, for the next time the game come around. It must be really weird, though, because the people that would
0: have been saying that to you were veterans, or at least people much more experienced, and they're just getting in your head. You're meant to be teammates, but it is, it is dog-eat-dog, isn't it? It is a case that, you know, if this kid does really well... I'm looking for a new club, you know, and I don't think we really appreciate that as fans that occasionally that you're all high fives and shaking hands on the pitch. But between Sunday and Friday, you're fighting for 11 shirts, aren't you?
3: And as soon as anybody has a twinge in training or anything like that or, you know, a family bereavement, you think like brilliant, you know, that's their loss. And it, it's horrible, but uh, that, that's how you think. It, it, it's a case of, yeah, you know, I'll, I might be in this week. <laughs> when you were
0: explaining earlier that, you know, you, they, were, they were kicking it up for you in your junior career. And then straight away, I thought, well, who was his manager at Preston? And then I saw that it was John Beck, of course, who was, you know, he just finished his stint at Cambridge, where he did great things, but was derided for being the anti-football. What, what, what was it like working for him?
3: Horrible. That's, a, that's one of the reasons I left, basically. It, um, I signed and Les Chapman, well, sorry, when I got in the first team, Les Chapman was um, manager and uh, Sam Allardyce was one of the players with us, and uh, we had Walter Joyce as assistant, I think, and uh, he got sacked, basically, and John Beck came in, and I think I played six or seven games or something like that for for the first team, and I got bragged off after 25 minutes for actually chesting the ball down and passing it to a midfielder. And and that was the end. I, I did the ball down, passed it to a midfielder, and straight away my number came up and went uh, right. Get off, get off. And I was like, what? Well, you know what's going on? I'm I'm playing great. There's not, you know, there's no issue. Yeah. Well, you didn't put it in the channel like I told you to. And and that is exactly what he said. Straight away I was like, right, where can I go? I needed transfer, transfer, transfer. Wow. And. Yeah, well, fortunately, Les Chapman had um, gone to uh, Manchester City as a uh, reserve team coach, and he, he spoke to Peter Reid and said, right, we need this boy in. About two hours later, after, after I literally signed uh, Preston to say, contract's done, I'm giving it all up, that's fine. Yeah, I signed two, two, two and a half hours later maybe for, for Man City.
0: That's crazy. It's funny that you mentioned that about Beck, because I remember listening to a podcast with Darren Huckabee, who had him as manager a couple of years later at Lincoln, almost exactly the same. It, the, your job was to get it in to the centre-backs for corners or just cross it in, lump it in or get it down the channels. And because he had yeah. he had just the audacity of showing a little bit of football ability, it just was never going to work out for him there. But.
2: Absolutely,
3: he used to call the um, the two, uh, if you can call it a quarter, where you, where you put it for for the right winger to run onto. He used to call it Quality Street. <laughs> he would have a map on the wall saying, "This is Quality Street. This is heart middle of the midfield was Heartbreak Hotel." Yeah, and uh, this was Danger Zone. <laughs> he used to have a heartbreak hotel in New York He was deranged Well
0: he works for the Football Association at St George's Park now So I'm not sure there's any hope for us <laughs>
3: Yeah, we're all we're all doomed.
0: <laughs> okay, well there's 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 very few ways of cheering yourself up by joining a giant of English football which is Manchester City. All of this stuff that the kids say on social media now that they they've only been they've only been big for about 5 or 6 years is a complete nonsense. A massive massive team. Um what was that like for you?
3: Incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Apart from the uh, the journey time getting in there it was a, a wonderful place uh, just uh you know the whole the whole thing was it was fantastic um i left there unfortunately on a, on, a, on a bit of a cloud for, for what i thought but my, my entire time there was was wonderful there. i thoroughly enjoyed it yeah, i'd like to dwell
0: on man city for a bit because i mean it is just like i said it is it, it's one again it's all about achievements football you know i've i've talked to guys that look back at their careers and don't feel that they they did what they wanted but then people like me remind them you played this amount of games you're still talking to football fans now you know you 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 have a legacy and and they go oh well yeah i guess i do um i'm sure you don't you don't get any games in your two seasons at manchester city but again it's about education you have so many major names from that era um at training every day who who were the who were the major sort of characters and who influenced you the most during your time at main road
3: Oh, good question there's so many to be to be honest with you um behind behind the uh, the doors who was uh, mike somerby he was a uh, very very nice Fellow, And he used to coach me without even me knowing, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, Fitzroy Simpson, to be fair to him, he, he, he used to come into the changing room and he'd be like, you, you need to do this and you need to do that. And he was all brash. He, everybody sees him as a brash individual, but he was a genuinely nice guy and I, I have a lot of time for him to be honest with you and uh, Niall Quinn absolute legend absolutely loved him but i mean you could go through the whole team Nicky Summerby cracking lad Mike Sheeran you know put your arm put his arm around you there was uh, David Flickcroft sorry Gary Flickcroft Michelle Vonk yes Michel Vong. yes yeah, Keith Curl, Terry Feeling at left back you know, proper. is a proper Manchester lad, and he's, he's uh, sky blue through and through. That one, and uh, even to the likes of the keepers, the uh, Nicky. Uh, uh, sorry,
0: it would have been Coton and Dibble,
3: wouldn't it? Tony Coton and uh, Andy Dibble, yeah, absolute legends. Even Andy Hill, who played played there for a short while, right back, lovely lad. David White at right wing, all great lads. Even even Steve McMahon, he was He was actually all right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna. I was wondering when you were gonna mention you were getting all the Swindon links down, and you hadn't mentioned the one of them. Um, Peter Reid's your manager for. I mean, is it is it Brian Horton to start
3: with, or was it Peter Reid out? Peter Reid for uh, my two years, and then my third year there was Brian Horton, which was testing <laughs> basically what happened was when I went back for my third year um Peter Reid was manager and I started towards the end of my second year I was really getting in the first team and you know playing um exhibition matches and uh, on tour, went to Japan and South Africa with them and all that sort of thing. And I was getting in in with the boys and everything was really, really good. Third year, Peter Reid was uh, manager. Uh, he got sacked after six games and Brian Horton came in. Now, the previous year, I'd scored 48 goals in the reserve team league. Um, and then they Pete, uh, Brian Horton came in and uh, signed... Crikey, what's he called? Carl Griffiths, from I think it was Wrexham or something like that. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. and uh, basically that was me out the door. So, you know, I was playing in the reserves again with um, with Steve McMahon, Fitz Fitzroy, and uh, you know a few others, and it was a, it was a case of, no, this is it. Let's let's go somewhere else.
0: Yeah, that, that,
3: it's a common
0: theme in football. When when your time's up at a club and it's not by choice, it doesn't it doesn't ever seem to be a a good way of doing it. I don't think footballers ever go yeah, fair cop. Bye. It, it's always seems to be dealt with in an unfortunate way. Um, it's very very ruthless football. You know, if a new manager comes in with ideas of who they want to bring in. There's always a victim somewhere down the chain, isn't there? And it, it, it's 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 just so I don't I couldn't my mentality I couldn't cope in that in that industry. It's very yeah. very tough.
3: No, it was a case of um, I, I knew it was over as soon as he walked in the door and started talking to me. I thought, you know, that that's it. If, if I can't if I can score 48 goals in in the Premier League reserves, which was at the time all Premier League teams, all very high, what you call championship teams now, then, you know, I wasn't going to do anything there for
0: Yeah, I I, I asked this question quite a bit, but I I think that, that, you know, there's there's good reason for it. I asked this question a bit and it's, do you ever look back now? I mean, forget about the money side of things, but do you ever look back and go, I wish there were seven subs when I was playing because there would have been absolutely no question that you would have been thrown on with two minutes to go just to try and get a consolation, even at, if it was the worst-case scenario. There would have been more opportunities for young footballers back then to really state their claim in in, in just a little bit more time than they, they had when you were playing. I
3: absolutely agree, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm not sure about this um, under-23 league. You know, I think if you... If you if you're in your twenties as a as a footballer, then why aren't you pushing for the first team, the reserves? I don't, I'm not sure about this under twenty three league at all. I'm, I just don't get it. I don't get it. If if you, well, there's an old old quote, isn't it? If you're good, if if you're good enough, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. The
0: under 23s thing is is weird. Swindon don't have an under 23s team, which Richie Wellens sometimes cites. Maybe is a reason why he can't sign certain players and 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 stuff like that. But I do agree. And anyone that I talked to that was that was involved in the combination, as it was called in the southern equivalent, where Swindon Town would go into Highbury and play in Arsenal, and Alan Smith would be playing, um, and, and Ray Parler, and and then uh, you know they would always have a few uh, injury or players recovering from injury playing in these games and it was a great experience because you were playing at the grounds and you were playing against footballers not similar people and you have this when the, the kids join teams on loan for the first time the first thing that they always cite is they're playing real football they're playing men's football they're not playing under 23 so how is it beneficial if we're holding them into these under-23 leagues when they're not getting what they consider and this is people in the industry they're not considering it the
3: real thing Absolutely, absolutely agree if you're
2: good enough, you're old enough
3: Allison's done well but surrounded by those players and still managed to find a way out to Paul Allen, here's Walters they've got some strength in the box here if you he can get the cross in Walters and he can, and Allison's there
2: well that's an absolute pitch of a goal.
0: You're listening to the Low Strangers Podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club.
3: Come on, Swindon!
0: (laughs) Okay then, well, you know, let's talk Swindon Town. That's what everyone wants to listen. When you arrived in 1995, I'd never heard of you. I did have a copy of the Rothmans that I got that summer. And I remember it was you, and is it Quigley or Quidgeley? Mike Quigley. Yeah, it was you and Mike Quigley. You both left Manchester City in the same summer. He went to Hull and you went to Swindon. And I remember because I'd heard it, somebody said something on the radio or something, and I didn't know if it was Steve Finney or Mike Quigley had signed. There's no real basis to this story. But I'd heard of Mike Quigley for some reason. I'm not sure, but I'd heard of Steve Finney. Now Steve McMahon is the person that brings you to the club. Did you have much interaction with him when you were a player? Was this very much a Steve McMahon signing? There was this guy at Man City who was scoring loads of goals. I'm going to bring him down to Division Three, Division Two as it was, and he's going to he's going to do the business. Was was that pretty much how you ended up at Swindon?
3: I didn't at the time. I didn't think that we had that much of a connection, but uh, he's obviously seen me playing. Um, with him in the reserves and uh liked what he saw and it uh, he was to be perfectly honest he was a second pool call i got and uh, and that's how it progressed you know it was a case of yeah okay i'm i'm into that i like it i like you i actually did like Steve see mcmahon <laughs> um, and uh yeah, it was a case of a chem down i had a, a trial game and and that was that that was that
0: let let's get this out of the way first and foremost. I've talked to a few of your old teammates so I've talked to Fraser Digby um I've talked to Paul Bowden. Um, yeah, yeah. um I've talked to i mean I must have talked to more from that time and Steve McMahon is i mean you you've referenced it you got on with him fantastic what what was his reputation
3: He was a, he was a tough guy yeah. Sim- simple as yeah it, it was um it was a case of do it my way or, or you won't be doing it at all ever sort of thing um i could he was a very closed off guy you couldn't really talk to him if you had trained against him he'd want to poke you in the eye and scratch your bollocks off well <laughs> <laughs> that that's what he was that that's you know he was, he was a great player as a, as a player, and I think he was a good player for Swindon as well. But um, as far as managerial side, um, I liked him, but I didn't really get on with him.
0: Okay, so I mean that's that's quite common for a lot of management positions that you can work for somebody, but you don't have to be bosom buddies and things like that. So I understand that. I mean, there is this notion that uh, one of my guests definitely called him a bully outright. Um, It sounds also like he's just a competitor. He's played for the best team in England. He played for England in the World Cup and maybe he might have struggled with the fact that third division players don't necessarily can reach the same standard of of positional play or tactical play than he could. I mean, Glenn Hoddle just brought it with him, and he was a magician. I think maybe it frustrated Steve McMahon more. It might be just personality. It might just is is the way he was. Was that he was a bit of a colder character. But it is very interesting because ninety five, ninety six. As a kid at the time, so I was first year of secondary school during 95, 96. And for kids, it was a really, really enjoyable season. But adults, and I, I couldn't understand it at the time, and this is throughout the Steve McMahon reign, the adults never really warmed to Steve McMahon in any way. And it really, I couldn't understand it at the time. And it's only really now... That well, much older, and I, I I listen to people who were there. They sort of explain why, and you know, kids, we we just think about three p.m. on a Saturday, don't we? And we don't really listen to the radio, and we don't think about players that have been exiled or bombed out. We just think about well, we're top of the league in in going up back to the championship level, so fantastic. Yeah, uh,
3: he was a, a divisive character. Yeah, absolutely. He, he he inherited quite a good squad in my opinion. Mm. Um the likes of Brian Kilcline. I never I, I don't understand the reason why you got rid of him. Um Jason Drysdale was there for a good long while while I was there. He was a cracking cracking player, but never got on with C McMahon. Even Culverhouse didn't didn't get on with him, but he played a lot because he was a great player. Um, it was divisive. It was a case of, you know, you either like him and he sort of warms to you a little bit or you were casting the shadows and that was it. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, well, let's let's move on to
0: Steve Finney at Swindon because this is your podcast. Hopefully one day I'll talk to Steve McMahon. So you arrive in the summer of 95, Um You've not moved. You've not ventured south to live at this stage. So, what are your memories of moving down to Wiltshire?
3: <laughs> it's a strange one. Yeah, I remember staying there. I think we stayed in the primary inn somewhere uh, when I first came down to to uh, negotiate. That was the the first time that we've been down this far. I would imagine, apart from uh, with England uh, schoolboys. Um, like the place, love the place. I think the the grounds, fantastic. Went in, had a very brief meeting. To be perfectly honest with you, I think I undersold myself. <laughs> <laughs> I was negotiating my contract and it was agreed, um, and then we uh, danced happily out of the room, didn't <laughs> we? And uh, yeah, and that was it. And we signed, moved down. We actually moved into. Uh, A place called Norton House, I think it's in Chiseldon, is it? Yeah, (laughs) Norton House, bed and breakfast in Chiseldon. Um, Lived with Ian and Sharon in there for for a a couple of months. And then we found a house just around the corner that we were renting. Um, Where was that? Same thing. Yeah, Uh, so yeah, that was that. when we actually moved house and moved all our stuff, it was a case of I was playing away at Hull on the first day of the season, and I left my wife to get on with it. <laughs> so she she had everything to do, and a father helped, and uh, yeah, they they moved in and uh, on on that day, and uh, I I went back and uh, yeah. That that was that that was the uh, that
0: was the big move. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say anything because I know your wife is sat just next to you. So I'm not going to say that's shame. Yeah, that, that's shameful behaviour, Steve. Shame on you. Shame on you. <laughs> so, you know, before we get to Hull, did you did you get to the did you get to go to uh, to Finland?
3: I went to Finland. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
0: We we don't do preseason tours like that. Was was that? I mean, I would love to go to Finland just generally. That must have been nice.
3: It was incredible. Yeah, we stayed in a, a log cabin by 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 the lake or the fjord or whatever you want to call them. But uh, yeah, it was absolutely <laughs> superb. And I think I was one of the fittest on the on the whole crew because we were running around the lake, and I was waiting for people to catch up, sort of thing. You know, and I thought. <laughs> Probably coming from a Premier League background and and uh, dropping down a, a couple of leagues, I did think that uh, the fitness was a little bit awry, but uh, they soon caught up.
0: Yeah, that's probably why we got relegated. Then you know, our fitness was all over the shop. <laughs> um, the reason I mentioned Finn purely is because you know this is about building a sort of relationship, building a rapport with your, your new teammates, who who were the. The, the the players that you immediately sort of went you know went towards, who who were the guys that looked after you when you moved to Swindon? Uh
3: generally I, if in any new situation I'd just keep myself to myself and you know, it it's as simple as that. And if anybody wants to speak to me then that's absolutely fine. But uh the biggest one I would think is Mark Seagraves. He came down, he was living in Liverpool or Foamby or whatever it is. And he came down at a similar time to me and he was training with us. And I was looking for a place to, uh, to uh, buy. And he said, well, why don't you move in with, with me until uh, pre-season's over? So we, we went and lived there for a couple of weeks, probably about three weeks, something like that. Yeah. And he was absolutely brilliant, made a lovely curry. And That's the most important thing.
0: You hit the ground running at Swindon and this is why I said I'd never heard of you because you made an instant impact at Swindon. I wasn't even, and I don't think you were even expecting to really start as a, in the first 11 when we went because I I mean, I would have imagined it would have been Wayne Allison and Peter Fawn. but you know, Peter, bless him, he, he was perennially injured, wasn't he? So um, that, that was a great chance for you. Like you said, you know, you're always hoping for your opportunities. Well, you got it on the opening day at Hull and you took it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I was ticked off, to say the least, that I wasn't in the starting lineup. But in the end, I was because B got uh, got a hamstring injury again, and uh, yeah, uh, re- rewarded I think with uh, a good one 0 win away to Hull. I header the best kind
0: of header, I find.
3: <laughs> yeah, without a doubt.
0: And I mean. I would usually say what a big moment that is for your career but of course it's not even your first league goal because you scored at Preston um, but this was now your time to shine and you didn't have to worry about people like Nile Quinn getting in your way and things like that you are now you're at Swindon you're at a team where you know you can thrive and you can, you know, if you score, you're going to be playing next week. And then you made your home debut against York. And then that was your first chance to play a competitive game Get in, in front of Swindon fans, you know, it's other than the handful. You know, we took quite good numbers in, in 95 away from home. Why, when you said earlier that the county ground was a lovely stadium, with respect to the county ground, you've been to Main Road. You know that's that's way better. What what is it about the county ground? Everyone always says how nice the county ground is, and I love it because it's got those bloody big, lovely uh, floodlights, and it's got the Rolex clock. And I support Swindon. What is it for footballers though that makes the county ground so sort of special?
3: Uh, Well, when we were playing, when I was playing, it was rammed all the time. That's that's one of the biggest things, and everybody was. Just behind you, it was buzzing. That would that was the big thing. It was. It's a nice stadium. Um, it, it, it's similar to uh, Carlisle United, but it's on a bigger scale. But it's 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 a cacophony of uh, sound when people, you know, are, are pleased. It, it's just uh, magical when you when you score and uh, you know people are chanting your name and. You know, you know, you've got your family sat up in the stand, and and you're just—the want to the better word—you you, you're just a, a mini god for the for the day. No, I think that's absolutely
0: spot on. And the one thing that I remember really from that era, um, especially early mid '90s, was—and it's not really the case anymore—is whenever there was a corner that come on you Reds that, that used to just just used to swirl around the county ground back then all three stands would and you know four depending on who the opposition were just all doing that chant that hasn't really happened for years and it's not because Swindon don't you know I think people are more cynical when it comes to corners and of course we had Sean Taylor at that stage you could score from corners and football's a lot different now isn't it and yeah, I I I have been really interested by that reply. I mean, you also got to play early on against Carlisle, so and they played us off the park when during that time. So that must have been a big game for you. It was, yeah, and I was terrible. <laughs> we all were. Other than Eddie Murray's goal. Yeah, they, they played Absolutely. us off
3: they played us off the park. Absolutely, yeah. They they had a decent team at the time. I think it was me, Wadsworth as was a manager. They had a good a good side, they had Rory Delap at the back, I think. And he went on to to bigger things with Derby and still yeah. but uh, yeah, I think um, I think we did well to get to get the three points on on that occasion. Yeah. Hi, I'm Colin Calderwood, and welcome to the Loath Strangers podcast. Proudly sponsored by
0: the STFC Official Supporters Club. Come on, Swindon. <laughs> now, I'm not, don't worry, I'm not going to go through every single game from that season, but I mean. What I want you to know, for, for as someone who was watching a lot of Swindon at that stage as a kid, what you did between August and November, December is one of my favourite times of following Swindon when I was young. You and Wayne Ellison just seemed to score every time I was there. And it was just, you know, you know, when you have these nostalgic memories where, you know, the sun was always shining and Steve <laughs> Finney was always scoring, or if it wasn't Steve, it was... It was uh, it was Wayne as well, and you know so many of my early favourite memories. I mean, I've been going Swindon five years at that stage, but so so many of my early memories are around this time. And it's not because we won the league; it was just we were playing good football, and we seemed so ruthless as well. And it just everything was clicking. We had Kevin Horlock, and we had some really exciting players, even players who had been on the fringes for years, like Wayne O'Sullivan and. Ty Ty Gooden were coming good as well there are a couple of moments that I really want to sort of mention the main one for me looking back because I remember your interview on Wiltshire Radio um, after the game was the penalty against Crewe Um, because one it's one of the only penalties I've ever seen which didn't hit the net and two, I just vividly remember you on the radio After, st- and you were saying you're still shaking. It was such an important game, wasn't it, that ge- that one against Crew.
3: He told me he was going to go that way, the keeper. Mark Gallif- And I said, I'm going to put it there. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's what happened. He says, I'm going to go. You always go that way. I'm going to go that way. He says, well, I'm going to put it there then. <laughs> and I, if you, if you look at the footage of it, he barely goes over the line, but, and I, I think I'm standing over him, going, "I told you." <laughs> <laughs> all, all, all
0: I know, he's gutted, and I just know. I just yeah. remember watching the ball not hit the net.
3: It would have been better if it hit the net, but it went in, and we won anyway. So, yeah, he sure did.
0: <laughs> I mean, what a team that crew side were. There was some absolute plays in there.
3: Lennon in midfield was it?
0: Yeah, Danny Murphy, Robbie Savage, and Neil Lennon in the same midfield—that'll do. Yeah, yeah, average, average compared to us. <laughs> well, we went up as champions, so we're all cool. Why did, you, why did you and Wayne Allison click so in in, in that in that partnership?
3: When he first signed uh, from Bristol uh, City, um, I went over to him. I went, "Steve, you can call me Finney, isn't it? I said, uh, "What, what, what are you called?" And he says, "Just call me Chief." and that was it just call me chief simple as that and then we were roommates right right the way through from then yeah yeah simple so The room who was, yeah, was injured
0: yeah okay and other sort of early memories from that time of course was the Blackburn game at home where again if we're talking about minutes in your childhood I think those three five whatever minutes when you when you scored those goals when you both scored against who were the league you know, Premier League champions. Oh man, I don't even care that we lost, even though we missed the penalty at the end. That that was just amazing game. It was a great game.
3: Yeah, yeah my son watches it back all the time. He keeps putting little bits on from from it and uh, sends sends them to me. So yeah, very proud moment and scoring against well, my footballing hero of the modern era is Shearer. I say the modern era. That's uh, no he's he's only 4 years older than me but I looked up to him all the time oh. tried to imitate him but never did <laughs> well that day you went toe to toe with him um yeah,
0: yeah it was just it was just i mean i used the sound I used the audio from Your Goal that day on this podcast and it will be on this episode in any right now probably um, because it's just, oh my goodness. I mean, the commentator focuses too much on the Blackburn manager being in trouble but it was, I just remember this, oh, it was just a wonderful, wonderful night.
3: O'Sullivan, targeting the penalty area You can only begin to think the thoughts that are going through the head of Harper and Flowers.
0: And it continued that way for you, didn't it? So, I mean, it, did you just think, this football,
3: like, this is easy? Well, yeah, you do. You, it, it's as simple as that. You ride on the moment and, uh, like I said, you never think it's going to end. Um, but, craigie it does. But uh, it was just a fantastic time in our lives. Um, and I think everybody included in the club would, would think that way. It was just a, w- a wonderful evening.
0: Do you th- do you think it was just a case that we were too good for that division as as a squad? As you said before, we should have probably not got relegated. C McMahon inherited a good squad for the majority of that tail end of the season. Do you think we were just we shouldn't have been there in the
3: first place? I think it's very surprising that the amount of quality players stayed with the club even though they've been relegated.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, that is a big thing with us getting promoted. Uh, obviously, if you like Premier League players playing in the uh, the third tier of the league, myself included, I, w- I would like to add to that, if, if you may. But um, I think, yeah, I think when you look at the likes of Crew who are running us very, very closely... With Murphy and Savage and Lennon in midfield, you know how can how can you how can one team beat them? They're, they have they have gone on to have fantastic careers, uh, and we were better than them.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we even got like Paul Allen down. and I know Paul Allen's a veteran, but he came down from the Premier League as well. You wouldn't you wouldn't have that anymore. Like thirty somethings that move from the Premier League down to League One.
3: Absolute character Paul. We used to call him Taz. He was absolutely crazy. He was brilliant. Every moment, from start to finish, as soon as he came, walked in the door, the, whole, the whole, he lifted the whole uh, dressing room. It was fantastic. He was brilliant. Loved him. Who, who were the characters
0: in that first year for you then?
3: One of the big characters were actually Wayne O'Sullivan. He was a right little uh, shite. <laughs> 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 he, was, he was a crazy lad. He was a lovely fella. Ty Gooden. Great lad, Paul boarding absolute legend. You get, you know, I mean, he's Welsh, but we'll uh, we won't hold that against him. <laughs> um, there was there was lots, there was lots of characters. I mean, one of the biggest characters who did come into play was Frank Talia, goalkeeper, who came in. He was a massive character in in the dressing room. Lovely lad, absolutely adore him. You know, he's. Uh, a gem. Mm. Well, and Shea was all right as well. She was, was good. Shea, Shea Given.
0: Yeah, just a little nudge there that you played alongside Shea Given for a month or two. That was that was you know he did all right.
3: Well, my boy, my boy still dines out on Shea Given, sleeping in his bedroom. We were doing up my son's bedroom because he was um, very young and. Uh, he was still in with us as parents and she stayed in his room and uh, spewed up.
0: <laughs> what are
3: they like, eh? What are they like? Okay, so what makes
0: a footballer a character? Everyone always says characters and I tend to let, let people get away with saying it, but what makes somebody a character?
3: I think it's somebody who lifts the spirits of others. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as, you know, um, it doesn't matter what's going on in their own life. They switch on, it's work, these are the guys, nothing else matters now. I'm here, and I'm I'm going to do my part for uh, to to be cheerful and and help the team.
0: Yeah, yeah, and because and again, we we talk about like. The dressing room at night, five nights, all, all the way through your career, McMahon's the manager, and it it just feels like you were you were still able to have characters, you were still able to sort of not run a but you know enjoy life, but have this just you know this manager that can turn on you quite quite quickly.
3: I think I was in a a bubble, if you if you, if you like, whereas if things were turning badly, I was young enough to be. Left out of it, but uh, I think the older players did get it quite a lot. Sure. What were you,
0: what were your highlights from from that first season? Because obviously it's your first full season as as a regular professional footballer, and it's a championship winning season. So again, I sort of think of footballers going, "This is easy. First season, lovely stuff. Trophies getting raised. Nothing can go wrong now." Of course, for you, the goals do dry up, and so does your 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 spot in the the first 11 falls away as well so it, it was kind of a tale of two s- stories for you that season wasn't it
3: it was yeah i mean I, I broke my leg at uh burnley so um that was a massive pause for my for my uh career and uh swindon life if you like but uh that that was that was probably the biggest thing i had I've come back up, come back from that, and then uh, damaged my knee, had a knee operation, and then um, pulled my uh, hamstring. So basically, I'd uh, scored 16 goals in uh, half the games, and when Allison ended up 18 goals, top scorer. Mm-hmm. So you know he, he played a lot more games than me, and, and ended up as top scorer, a fair player. Um, but I, I was just riddled with injury at the time, and I'll never ever forget the uh, the break at uh, Burnley when the referee said, uh, "Get up, lad! He didn't touch you," and he actually broke my leg. Uh, referees back? Do referees still do that? I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How does it feel at that stage then to to be out of action? and watch town go on to win the title. Do you feel like you've contributed enough? Cause obviously you have, um, but, or do you feel like you're sort of a bystander when, when all the celebrations are taking place? No, I
3: absolutely felt being involved 100%. Cool. It wasn't, a kind of, you know, it, I, I knew I'd done my part. We, we pretty much secured the league when I was playing. So I was, I was happy with that. And, uh, I don't have any any mal thought about that at all.
0: Hmm. Yeah, well your second season is 96 97 and it's the first time where I really question Swindon Town Football Club because that's that's the time when Sean Taylor is sold off to Bristol City for, you know, a, you know, what is essentially jelly beans. Um and you know he's our influential captain and he's just sent off to one of our big rivals. Um, maybe when Fjortov got sold off. What, what was that like when your captain got sold?
3: Uh, it was gutting, to be honest with you, because I, I had a good relationship with meat and uh, my wife uh, and his wife used to, to go out and uh, do a bit of shopping and have lunch and that sort of thing. But uh, it started to unfold from there. Yeah, we started selling players for, for pittance and, and signing people that weren't good enough for the team. Yeah,
0: we, we were financially, shall we say, uh, uh, unstable throughout the rest of your, or probably all of your uh, Swindon Town career. Did you feel the pressures of that as an employee?
3: Well, yeah, when re- renegotiating a the contract, then yeah, there was no money there. Yeah. Then that is where, uh, you know, if I, if I can drop down to... Chakala, United, and earn more than I was earning at Swindon, then that is embarrassing. So, you know, we, we've gone up a league and there was no money there, simple as that.
0: Yeah, and, and yet people like Mark Walters still arrive as well during that stage, so... I mean, he was
3: clearly on uh, a lot more than everybody else. And uh, But, I mean, I can't... Uh, I can't not, Wally was a lovely fella, brilliant trainer... Great player. One of the... You oh. know, like Sam Roy, he was one of the the best players I've ever played with. For you, the second season, it's not it's
0: not the most successful generally, appearances-wise, goals-wise, and that's purely down to fitness. Is that right?
3: Uh, I, th- I think I started off at Norwich. I started playing in the first uh, 11. Um, I came back strong off, off a, a good pre-season. Um, and basically things started to wane. then it was a, a case of i don't know what happened but uh peter thorne started to get more more appearances than i did and it was a case of you know he, he wanted thorn and uh allison as his partnership
0: yeah yeah well there were plenty of highs though for you i mean that era for swindon fans are, are full of memories of getting absolutely walloped by manchester city but you managed to play in a swindon town 11 that didn't get walloped by manchester city in fact quite the opposite we won 2-0 and that was that was a great i mean when i mean this is why i keep on saying to people and i said earlier that manchester city are, have always been a big team because when we were when we play man city it was all it always brought you know, so much excitement, and then to beat them with the players that they had—they had King Cladsey in that lineup. Unbelievable.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm friends with uh, Lee Crooks, who who played at the, at the time, and he he still looks back on that. Been uh, playing for Man City, and, and uh, he says that's it. that was a horrible time. <laughs> that was a horrible period for them. You know, it started the slide for them. But uh, I don't believe him. I think he. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's probably the reason why we lost Kevin Horlock to Man City as well.
3: Well yeah, I mean the the season before, uh Kevin and I were um subject to a, a very big bid from uh, Sunderland as a package. And uh basically the week later I, I broke my leg at Burnley and he ended up at Man City.
0: Wow. Would you have taken that if, if we if we accepted that offer?
3: No. <laughs> Come on, it's a career. Markham's wrong colour. <laughs> oh, I
0: don't know. I don't know. When I'm hypothetically asked would I play for Oxford if I was a professional footballer, uh, do you know what? I might do. I might do if it meant that. I mean, if it's so... I can't say that, can I? I'm going to have to edit that bit out. Okay, so, I mean... It's a it's a weird time, really, Swindon. Your final two seasons there, because as a fan, you know we we, we, we have these we have these great runs, and then we tail off at the end. And I remember the attendances were dropping. Obviously, people's faith in the owners and McMahon wasn't that great. We're not at the worst of that during your time there. It got far far worse in the years that followed, but. I look back now, and I kind of think, but we were in the championship. Surely that's you know the most important thing, and you know we've not been there for twenty years now. And I look back and think, I remember how much people used to complain, but we were in the championship, playing against absolutely huge football clubs, and sometimes beating them. And and I just I, just, I guess it's a case if you don't know what you you got till it's gone. But what what were your memories of those final two years? Because they were so bipolar in terms of performances because they were either very, very good or absolutely woeful.
3: Uh, I, let, let's, let's put it this way. I, I loved playing for Sweden. I absolutely loved it. And if I still could, I would now. And if I, I, if I wasn't sort of forced to leave, then I wouldn't have left. The first season, the, the championship season fantastic. Where can you go from there? Well, you can kick on and and sign better players. Well, we, we, we let good players go and sign inferior players, so you know, I, I, I wasn't the manager at the time. You can't blame me. Thank you. <laughs> but that, that's how I saw it from, from a players' point. You know, you get people coming in that were cheap and cheerful, but didn't have the the footballing brain of the likes of Ian House, who was an absolute legend. Stalwart, he was a fantastic player in the right. first week. He was a great player and a lovely lad. Uh, you know, you, and you're signing the likes of well, I'm not even gonna I'm not gonna name names because that's 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 not right. But you're signing poor players. Um, to be fair, we signed uh, Kevin Watson. And yeah. Tottenham, who was a cracking player and a good lad, a really good lad and a really good player, but he just wasn't played in the right way.
0: Yeah.
3: Um. You know, he wasn't. He didn't have the people around him who understood how he played, or and it was just the wrong. He was a great player, but the wrong signing.
0: Yeah. No, that's the, completely agree. He was he was a talented footballer who wasn't able to be talented at Swindon.
3: Yeah, absolutely agree, yeah. Great lad. Used to call him Chipper.
0: Yep, yeah, still Chipper, I think. I think he still goes yeah. by that name. Um, it's just He was managing fleet until the end of last season and um, I, yeah. I don't think he's there anymore. But, I mean, I, I'm always looking for highlights. I'm always looking for highlights. I mean, what were the derbies like for you? Because obviously you played in the Oxford games where, you know, they, they randomly Absolutely battered us at the Manor, but you scored in a game where we beat them four-one. What what were those derbies like for 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 you guys? And did you also enjoy the other friendly, um, the other rivalries? Because obviously we played Bristol City and Rovers quite a bit during that time
3: as well. The big thing was uh, playing against Oxford was Joey Beecham. Yeah, and another gifted footballer, but Joey just didn't didn't want it he he was very very gifted but he he had other things on his mind most of the time and uh, lovely lad but uh, yeah so that was a main rivalry for us with uh, Oxford from what I remember the big uh, big rivalries were City and Rovers um, and they were massive I think City were weren't quite at the best when I was there
0: yeah brilliant Um, wasn't it
3: yeah, and and yeah, and Rovers were. I think Rovers were outdoing them. To be fair, and we went down to Rovers and battered them there. I think it was four-one or something like that. And the other the other big rivalry was uh, Reading, um, just down the M4. But uh, again. Did did really well against them as far as I can remember.
0: In in relation to the Joey Beecham thing, because there were a couple instances where we absolutely kicked him all over the shop when he came back. Was was there things said behind the scenes or was it just the fact that he just enjoyed kicking an ex teammate around? What what was what made it? Because the rivalry's there. It's it's never gone away and it's it's quite intense now, but this, the Joey Beecham thing, was, was there bad blood when he left or is it just a case of he's, a, he's joined our rivals even though he supports them but but we're just going to give him a bit of a kick?
3: I don't think anybody could be mad with Joey Beecham. He's such a laid-back character. I, do, I, I genuinely don't feel like there, there could be a rivalry one-on-one with anybody. Steve McMahon hated him. There you go. <laughs> I absolutely hated him because he thought he was lazy he thought uh, you know he's not doing anything why should I pick him because he's gifted and he's on a lot of money that was it he was he was Joey he was just he, what would you say yeah. he was the Mo Salah give him the ball and he, he'll do his stuff yeah, it, it's a,
0: it, he was good at Swindon. You know, he played in a relegation season, but you could see he was a talented guy. And maybe if, if Gorman would have had him for longer, or if he, if Gorman was replaced with a more, you know, in the same sense that Kevin Watson was wasted, um, maybe we wasted Joey Beecham at Swindon. And I know a lot of people, that he's Oxford scum, he's scummer, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But there's no doubt in he was an absolutely phenomenal footballer. It
3: goes on. It's squeezed over the line.
0: Kevin Let's talk about this exit then. So you were essentially pushed out of the club um against your how long did you have left in your on your contract?
3: I had a year. I had a year left. And and, uh, and and did
0: you have an agent at this time? I mean, did you were you tempted to go no, I'm contracted, I'll sit in it, or was that just not how football worked back then?
3: I didn't have an agent, but um, I had a year left on my contract and uh, they pulled me in and said, we'll we'll give you another year uh, on what you're on now. And I went, well, no, you know, times move on. Bills get higher. You know, I want want a bit more money. And all I wanted wanted was 200 quid more a month, 50 quid a week. (laughs) Yep, 200 pound more a month. And they went no, Steve McMahon no, 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 and I went oh, all right. You've you're forcing me hand. So he said this is um, with still with a year left. He said uh, you've already uh, organised your your next transfer, haven't you? And I was like no, I haven't. I hadn't even thought about it. I not even. My son was born in Swindon. I'd never thought about leaving uh, the club. At all, and that was it. That's how I was sort of pushed out, just unwanted and pushed out, basically. Mm, yeah, that, that
0: doesn't sound great, does it? And it, was it not even like a 30, 40? Was there no haggling? It was just, no, that's it, be gone. No, you can
3: you can have the same money as you're on now and that's it for, for another year. Yeah. I wish I'd taken it because he got sacked shortly after it's always the
0: way in football, isn't it? It's always the way.
3: No, it's that, that's that's how the. Um, I didn't want to leave Swindon. Never wanted to leave Swindon. And that was all there is to it. I even I've even got it up on me. Look at here. Can you see? No.
0: Oh, I can now. Hey, there it is. That's, was that
3: Brent.
0: I was going to say Brentford.
3: Brentford away.
0: There you go. So what I'm looking at is a. Uh, I think that was two nil. Two nil at Griffin Park in '95, isn't it? Close range, bang, straight to the fans, lovely stuff.
3: Yeah, never wanted to leave, no. No,
0: oh, that's that's a great shame. And I mean, was there any solace in the fact that, that you, you did sort yourself a move and it was to Carlisle?
3: Um, I did... It, no, not really. It was a case of I did want to be closer to, to family, being up here, but uh, there was no solace in it. I, I just felt... Adrift from uh, from that decision, it was it was gut wrenching to be honest with you. A bit soulless from from what I saw uh, the club uh, doing that to me. But I think it was just the the one person in charge, you know.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't wish to you know reopen old wounds and things like that. But d- did that have a lasting sort of mental legacy throughout the rest of your career? Well, yeah,
3: absolutely, yeah. Because, uh, number one, it's where my son was born. It was, um, you know, the greatest part of my career. And, you know, playing for Man City, yeah, absolutely fine. But I never reached the heights at Man City that I did with Swindon. Swindon was the best part of my career. I still, um, you know, I still have pictures up in the house and assigned... uh, the signed shirt of uh, our champion, championship uh, winning team. So, you know, it was the best time in their life.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the rest of your career, it's one of those ones where it's it's quite common from from that era when if it if it starts to go, I want to say wrong, but when you start moving around, it just that sort of fade away is quite common I mean you you have to do some miles don't you I mean you go from Carlisle where you play quite a few games then you go all the way down to London to play for Orient then you go back up to play non-league at Barrow and then and then you sort of have to you, you, you're calling out writing out for trials at Chester and you get some games with them and then then it's then it's then it's altering them, and then beyond that I mean what how would you describe the final years of your career? Horrible.
3: It's as simple as that, yeah. Horrible. Just uh, knowing I could do a great job for somebody but just not having the place to do it. And
0: at what point during your career did you think, did you feel like, not that you're trapped in the game, but do you feel like, I'm not enjoying this, I need to be doing something else? or, Or were you still trying to sort of maintain your your pro career for the duration or was there a point where you were like I'm playing football because this is all I know this is what I do but I I really need to evaluate my options No, it was when
3: I uh, signed for Carlisle that's when I knew it was game over Really? Absolutely because I I thought, stupid of me but I thought I'd be be, uh, swindled for a lot longer than I would be
0: Wow, that that's really interesting. So, I mean, I guess that's. I mean, that's. It's not necessarily naivety. I I guess all indications that you are going to be there for the long run, and this is an era again where players are more welcome to stick around, and than than it is now, where you've got your rigid one or two year contract off your pop, looking for the next payday because people are looking for security. So, would I be right in saying that all indications when you were at Swindon were that you were here for as long as? you know, as long as you're fit and you you you're, you're contributing to the team, that you
3: will be a part of the Swindon setup. That was the case, and as uh, when when we went to renegotiate contracts, it was, it was a case of that's it, take it or leave it. Don't you don't take it, off you go. And and why
0: didn't that? I mean, I know because Carlisle were one of the worst teams in the Football League at that stage. You know, they were notorious yo-yo team um, back then when they were just surviving the Jimmy Glass um, season and then and then they went down the following season and came back up. Was there no sort of motivation to try and prove Steve McMahon wrong or did it just wipe
3: you out? It does, yeah. It wipes you out totally. Yeah, It was a case of... I thought I was going to be down there for years and years and years. Yeah, and um, you sort of lo- you lose. You don't lose a passion for football, but you um, you lose the will to to continue. You know, if I can't, uh, with all respect, if I can't make it at Swindon in the Championship, then why should I bother? You know, because I, you know, in all fairness, I've come from a good upbringing, to uh Man- Manchester City, drop down, helped win and get, get up to the championship and then and then I I, fe- I feel like I was sort of dumped hmm in yeah. a massive way. It just takes a massive uh toll out of you, you know. And yeah. you think, well, I I'll I do this because I'm you know, this is all I need I know how to do. Um um why should I why do it inferiorly? Yeah. Why should, should I play for an inferior team when I, I know I could do better? There's millions of people who in the country who know for a fact themselves that they could do better, but they've never done it. But I actually knew that I could you
0: know, some people will be listening to that and saying you're chucking your toys out of your pram or it's a knee-jerk and you've overreacted. But I, I, we see it all the time, you know. I, I speak to people all the time where, you know, from a young age, you were playing levels above. You mentioned schoolboys. You were going down to Preston at such a young age. And then and then it doesn't take much. And when you're in that, in that bubble, as you say before, when that bubble pops... It it does. I mean, for again, for want of a better phrase, it messes with your head, doesn't it? It just it, it turns you into. It doesn't turn you. It's not necessarily that you're not thinking. Right, you know what? There are two divisions full of football clubs here. I'm going to go and find another club. I'm going to prove that club wrong. You you'll go. No, I've I'm here on merit. I earned this place. You know, I should be playing at this level. I get it. I really do. And it's 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 really hard to explain, isn't it?
3: I did have other um, options other than to go to Carlisle. But Carlisle was the easy option because it was close to family. Like, it's as simple as that. Yeah. And it was a case of, oh, you know, it hasn't worked out at Swindon, even though it did. Love the place, but uh, yeah, okay, let's move back home and get coddled by uh, by the family and, uh, and then <laughs> go from there, you know.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's perfectly logical. That's what you do. If I was in that situation where say, if I was living at the other end of the country and I'd had, in in my line of work, a bad experience, what am I going to do? I'm going to go back
3: home, right? Yeah. Little did I know that Caroline was that man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were supposed to, you know, you were supposed to do the business and get them up a couple of places, weren't you? But um, So, I mean, despite all that, I mean, it's absolutely wonderful to see that you've got an image of you there celebrating with Swindon. So one of the things that really saddens me about successful Swindon players over the years is when sometimes when it ends bad, it kind of kills any sort of liking for the club for the rest of their time, really, they you know, especially with the younger players who come through the system, and then they play a couple games and get dropped. You know, Swindon's dead to them because you know I don't support my former employers. You know, I don't look up the progress of them; they're kind of dead to me because they've let me go, right? Or they, or I've moved on. Where where does Swindon Town stand in, in your day day So Saturday, five o'clock comes in. You're looking at your
3: phone. Are you looking up the Swindon results? <laughs> it's one of the first. I, I look at Newcastle. Man City and and Swindon, I'll take that. And um, if if I can uh, if I can be bothered, I'll look at Carlisle as well. But I normally get notifications on Carlisle and that sort of thing, you know. But I know Swindon's. It's deep in my heart. mate. It's uh, hard to explain.
0: No, that that's that's pretty that's pretty clear. Lovely, and you know. When you look back at your, when you look back at your time at Swindon, but you close your eyes and you sort of, when someone says Swindon
3: town, what are the things that come to mind immediately? Sun. So, I always <laughs> pick sun in it's So much warmer down there than it is up here. <laughs> <laughs> the magic roundabout. Yeah, what a pain in the arse! <laughs> but I love it. I love. I love the the fact that there's a magic roundabout. The space around it. There's a cricket ground next door. Oh yes, it's just a lovely place. I love the people. I love. I just love it.
2: It's
0: great. My favourite part of the season is nearer to the end, around about March, April, because you can watch the cricket for an hour or so, and then if you're feeling up to it, you can just sort of drag yourself to the to the game and watch it. But it's one of my favourite. And even at the start of the season, they're still playing. The cricket season's still on. So definitely agree with you on that on that aspect. Well. You know, that's it, really, Steve. I mean, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this chat. And what, what I hope people appreciate is, you know, some of the areas that we've covered there, especially near to the end, are quite tough areas, and it's it's not easy to explain. And I think you did a really, really good job. So, Steve Finney, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. The Low Strangers is a Swindon Town podcast proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford, and the artwork was designed expertly by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on,
2: Swindon! (laughs) Hi, Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy...